Hey, all you art history babes. Hi. <laughs> Wait I, didn't on know, I didn't know you were waiting on me to greet them as well. Hello. <laughs> Hello, babe nation. We have a new giveaway. We love to give stuff away when we have it to give yes, away. We just have to save up to have enough stuff to give away. <laughs> when we acquire things <laughs> to give away, we like to give them away. And we have a new giveaway starting today, July 17th and running through August 17th. If you purchase an item from the Art History Babes store at arthistorybabes.com, you will be entered to win this giveaway. And that is one entry per item. One merch equals one entry. Exactly. So if you get five merches, if you get three coffee cups and a t-shirt and a tote bag, that's five entries. That's, that's five. Five of them. So what's in the giveaway, you might ask? Well, let us tell you. An Art History Babe trademark t-shirt in cranberry. It is a size small, but it's kind of a big small. Yeah, it's a roomier. You could do a lot with it. You could. You really could. Listen to our Ruth Rippin episode. <laughs> we'll tell you all the things you could potentially do with it. You could get DIY with it if you want. There is a necklace, a very simple uh, black pendant necklace by a lovely listener who does handmade jewelry, Allie Bremer. It's awesome. It's like brass and black leather. It's cool as all hell. And then there is a print of the four of us in Berlin that was printed by our featured artist, Zach Clark. There's a crystal from the the mountains of Shasta, California. <laughs> mountains of Shasta. Oh my gosh, that's the fanciest it's ever sounded. From Mount Shasta, California, right downtown at Soul Connections. It's a pretty magical place up in Northern California. We've got a fun crystal from there. And then last but certainly not least, a catalog uh, from a Ruth Rippon exhibition. Mm -hmm. So if you're unfamiliar with Ruth Rippon, make sure to head over to our Ruth Rippon episode amazing ceramicist and it's a really beautiful catalog with some really cool images yeah so you can be entered to win all of those goodies all you have to do is you got to pull the trigger on that merch you've been wanting to buy and you can check out our new stickers which are very affordable four pack of art history babe stickers there's coffee mugs, there's t-shirts, there's tote bags, all kinds of cool stuff. And also our featured artist prints are up in our store. So a print set, a triptych by featured artist Zach Clark is available. And that also is included in this giveaway. So buy some merch, guys. It's a win-win here yeah check out the merch arthistorybabes.com you walk away with something no matter what right you're the winner here <laughs> we're setting you up to win uh also we're on youtube i'm just gonna keep reminding you all that we are on youtube <laughs> in case you haven't heard uh just dropped a new video we're recording today we're just trying to make all that content podcast youtube we're all over the place so make sure you get subscribed on our youtube watch those videos like those videos and yeah i think that's all we got for you i think so so enjoy the show enjoy from Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. 
we have a fun baby episode for you all because honestly, I don't think any of us really knew what this was. Absolutely <laughs> not. I, I saw it on the email oh. and I said, what the hell really is that? <laughs> and, I knew uh, about it from watching the show Idiot Abroad where it's a, yeah. a dull British man who gets sent all over the world and is ungrateful for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds uh, like quite the premise for a show. So what we're talking about is the rock cut city of Petra. Petra, originally known to its inhabitants as what? Now Petra. What? <laughs> Are you from the Midwest? I don't know. Petra, originally known to its inhabitants as Rakmu, is a historical and archaeological city in southern Jordan. Petra is believed to have been settled as early as 9000 BC and it was possibly established in the 4th century BC as the capital city of the Nabataean kingdom. The Nabataeans were nomadic Arabs who invested in Petra's proximity to the trade routes by establishing it as a major regional trading hub. It was the capital of the Nabataean kingdom for most of its history until the Roman emperor Trajan created the province of Arabia in 106 CE. That's Common Era. Trajan annexed the Nabataean kingdom and moved the capital of this new province to Basra in what is today modern southern Syria. The Nabataeans were great traders and controlled the luxury trade in incense during the late Hellenistic and early Roman periods. The Hellenistic period stretches from the death of Alexander the Great in 323 BCE to 31 BCE when the Roman Empire emerged. The trading business gained the Nabataeans considerable revenue, and Petra became the focus of their wealth, drawing the envy of its neighbors. The earliest recorded historical reference to Petra was when the Greek Antigonids raided the city in 312 BC. The Nabataeans were, unlike their enemies, accustomed to living in the barren deserts and were able to defend against attacks by utilizing the area's mountainous terrain. They were particularly skillful in harvesting rainwater, agriculture, and stone carving. Famous for its rock-cut architecture and water conduit system, Petra is also called the Rose City due to the color of the stone out of which it is carved. Petra flourished in the 1st century AD when its famous Cosne structure, also called the Treasury, believed to be the mausoleum of Nabataean king Aretas IV, was constructed, and its population peaked at an estimated 20,000 inhabitants. The treasury's facade most clearly embodies the Hellenistic style and reflects the influence of Alexandria, the greatest city in the eastern Mediterranean at this time. Its architecture features a broken pediment and central solos, a circular building, on the upper level. This architectural composition originated in Alexandria. Ornate Corinthian columns are used throughout. Above the broken pediments, the bases of two obelisks appear and stretch upwards into the rock. The sculptural decoration also underscores a connection to the Hellenistic world. On the upper level, Amazons bare-breasted, and victory stand, flanking a central female figure on the Tholos, who is probably a combination of the Egyptian goddess Isis and Tyche, the Greek goddess of good fortune. The lower level features the Greek twin gods Castor and Pollux, the Dioscuri, who protected travelers and the dead on their journeys. There are other details from the artistic traditions of the Hellenistic world, including eagles, the symbol of royal Ptolemies, Vines, veg vegetation, canthori, vase with large handles, 
and acroteriae, architectural ornaments on a pediment. However, the tomb also features rosettes, a design originally associated with the ancient Near East. There are no inscriptions or ceramic evidence associated with the tomb that allows us to date it. Considering that it was located at the most important entrance to Petra through the Sikh, it was probably a tomb for one of the Nabataean kings. Uh, Aratus IV, reigned 9 BCE to 40 CE, is the most likely candidate because he was the Nabataeans' most successful ruler and many buildings were erected in Petra during his reign. The treasury was exceptional for its figurative detail and ornate Hellenistic architectural orders. Most tombs did not have figurative sculpture, a legacy of the Nabataean artistic tradition that was largely aniconic or non-figurative. The tomb facades draw upon a rich array of Hellenistic and Near Eastern architecture, and in this sense, their architecture reflects the diverse and different cultures with which the Nabataeans traded, interacted, and even intermarried. Many of the tombs contain niches or small chambers for burials cut into the stone walls. No human remains have ever been found in any of the tombs, and the exact funerary practices of the Nabataeans remains unknown. The dating of the tombs has proved difficult, as there are almost no finds, such as coins and pottery, that enable archaeologists to date these tombs. A few inscriptions allow us to date some of the tombs at Petra, although at Agra, another Nabataean site in modern Saudi Arabia, there are 31 dated tombs. Today, scholars believe that the tombs were probably constructed when the Nabataeans were wealthiest between the 2nd century BCE and the early 2nd century CE. Archaeologists and art historians have identified a number of styles for the tomb facades, but they all coexisted and cannot be used to date the tombs. We know that most of Petra's great tombs and buildings were built before the Roman Empire annexed it in 106 CE. Downtown Petra. It is a popular misconception that all of the rock-cut monuments, which number over 3,000, were all tombs. This has led to many early explorers and scholars to theorize that Petra was a large necropolis. I love that word Mm -hmm. so much. In fact, many of the other rock-cut monuments were living quarters or monumental dining rooms with interior benches. Of these, the monastery is the most famous. Petra was a well-developed city and contained many of the buildings and urban infrastructure that one would expect of a Hellenistic city. Recent archaeological work has radically reshaped our understanding of downtown Petra. Petra had a large theater, which was probably built during the reign of Eratos IV, as well as a monumental colonnaded street. Important buildings graced both sides of the street. On the south side of the street was a nymphium, which is a shrine consecrated to water nymphs, often with a fountain and sounds really dope. Nice. And a series of monumental spaces, which were once identified as markets. The so-called lower market has recently been excavated and shown to be a garden pool complex. This stood adjacent to the so-called Great Temple of Petra. Within the cella or inner sanctuary room of the Great Temple, a series of stone seats were discovered. This may suggest that the structure was not a temple, but an audience hall, at least for part of its history. Baths were also located in its vicinity. Opposite the so-called Great Temple is the Temple of the Winged Lions, from which a unique block of female goddesses was recovered. Column capitals at Petra are truly unique, in part for their carvings of winged lions and elephants. 
Petra is often seen in isolation, but in fact, it was one of many Nabataean sites. The Nabataean lands stretch from the Sinai and Negev to the west, as far north as Damascus at one point, and as far south as Egra, modern-day Medain Saleh, in northern Saudi Arabia, which also had numerous rock-cut tombs, amongst others. Petra fell to the Romans, who annexed and renamed Nabataea to Arabia Petraea. Petra's importance declined as, a, as sea trade routes emerged, and after a 363 CE earthquake destroyed various structures. The Byzantine era witnessed the construction of several Christian churches, but the city continued to decline, and by the early Islamic era became an abandoned place where only a handful of nomads lived. It remained unknown to the world until it was rediscovered in 1812 by Johann Ludwig Burkhardt. Petra has been a UNESCO World Heritage Site since 1985. UNESCO has described it as, quote, one of the most precious cultural properties of man's cultural heritage. Humans, not just man. Anyways, Petra <laughs> is a symbol of Jordan, as well as Jordan's most visited tourist attraction. Tourist numbers peaked at 1 million in 2010. The following period witnessed a slump due to regional instability. However, tourist numbers have picked up recently and around 600,000 tourists visited the site in 2017. The site suffers from a host of threats, including collapse of ancient structures, erosion from flooding and improper rainwater drainage, weathering from salt upwelling, improper restoration of ancient structures, and unsustainable tourism. The last has increased substantially, especially since the site received widespread media coverage in 2007 during the new Seven Wonders of the World Internet and Cell Phone campaign, in which over 200 monuments were up for consideration for being listed as the new Seven Wonders. The site was also featured in films such as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Arabian Nights, Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation, The Mummy Returns, oh. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, and others. Man, that's like a, it's a, like a Hollywood heritage site. For real. So yeah, as one can imagine, this popularity has created a kind of threatening environment for the site. So yeah. in an attempt to reduce the impact of these threats, the Petra National Trust was established in 1989. It has worked with numerous local and international organizations on projects that promote the protection, conservation, and preservation of the Petra site. Moreover, UNESCO and ICOMOS recently collaborated to publish their first book on human and natural threats to the sensitive World Heritage Sites. They chose Petra as its first and most important example of threatened landscapes. So just knowing where Petra exists and knowing the state of the world in places like Jordan and Syria, I think that... It's in line with some of the other threatened monuments in these areas. So there's kind of like an anxiety among people of the world that want to keep these places intact mm -hmm. and keep them at once admired and well informed of the spot but also like don't go there too much yeah because <laughs> leave you, it alone because <laughs> you yeah. don't want to because yeah that's kind of the complicated thing about like Definitely. all these all these films places. exactly it's like in some way that's probably a good thing yeah but it also you know like if you got uh brendan fraser or someone <laughs> like climbing oh, or someone climbing on walls and stuff you know that might not necessarily be great 
for the architecture. So it's kind of a complicated thing Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So Petra, it's a monument that I didn't even know of until I read about these different films that featured it. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember The Mummy Returns. Like, that yeah. was... <laughs> was that the one where he had, like, the, the beetles in his skin? Yeah. Well, that oh. was, like, in Scabies? all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just... I That is burn, uh, burned into my childhood consciousness. I don't like it at all. The huge bugs, like, uh, crawling under scarabs. his skin. Scarab beetles. Yes. That's what it was. Scarab beetles don't do that. No, they would never. <laughs> They're very gentle <laughs> they bugs. Would never do that would never do we have any other words on petra maybe just while on the topic of destruction and preservation check out our smash and slashing mm. iconoclasm. iconoclasm episode yeah oh, if that interests yeah. you if you haven't listened to it yet we kind of get a little deeper into those ideas mm-hmm. yeah so check that out check and we'll out. link it in the show notes that's a thing a thing for you to listen to yeah check out that episode this is a pressing issue in the mm-hmm. world of art history and uh, conservation mm-hmm. efforts mm-hmm. so if you're at all curious about directly applicable examples of why art history matters there you go all right thanks so much for listening y'all and we will see you later catch bye. you later bye from Cabernet to Montmartre, they're here to slay the art history babes. From which a unique block of... Sorry, I don't know what I wrote. God block. <laughs> <laughs> What's a God block? The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content.